Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Okay, we're all in take five. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook em up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Hook em up rolls on into the uh, third hour of our five hour morning by morning conversation. Bottom of this hour will be halfway through. It'll be at the turn. So Rod will take us behind the burnt orange curtain. We're going to get a little some insights into some Texas conversation with Jerry Hamilton coming up from On3 Sports, our good buddy. What's the latest on the recruiting trail, the defensive line coach surge for Texas, and his thoughts on the Michigan move. Who's happier today, L.A. Charger fans? Because they've hired Jim Harbaugh or Ryan Day, head coach at Ohio State. I'm Ryan Day. I'm not that happy, actually. I know that sounds crazy, but if you lose to Michigan again, you might just get fired. Oh, because sure. you know what I mean. Like, think about it now. The pressure is even more. But I thought there was more pressure. First, the, the sign stealing. You had to. You couldn't beat them. You know, after the sign stealing thing. So you can't use that as, oh man, they were cheating, and that's why they were beating Ohio State. That's why they had the upper hand. No, nope. nope. Uh, without cheating, they still beat you. And then now, without Jim Harbaugh, they may beat you. Be careful what you wish for. Be careful what you wish for. What you want to do is slay the dragon. Yes. What you ultimately want to do, like Mac Brown. Mac Brown. Mac Brown dealt with this with Bob Stoops. When he first got there. And Bobby Bowden when he was yes, in North yes. Carolina. He knows exactly. He knows about dealing and with Steve that Spurrier. and deal with that dragon. Exactly right. And remember, y'all remember this Longhorn fans. He was winning double digit games and couldn't beat Bob Stoops, who just won a national title in his second year, and y'all were thinking, Man, Mac Brown, that was February out here, man. It's like he can't get it done. He was he was dealing with the same issue, but he finally slayed that dragon. All right, Mac Brown made the necessary adjustments to the to the blueprint. He slayed that dragon, beat Bob Stoops, and then, you know, obviously ascended to being, you know, a great Hall of Fame coach, which he is now. Ryan Day, he couldn't slay the dragon. He, dragon so, gone. Dragon gone. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so that's a great point. That's You want to be able to slay the dragon, man, so your fans will go, see, we knew he could do it. By the way, thank you, Vince Young. Thank you, Vince. Thank you, Vince. <laughs> your dragon slayer. Yeah. The dragon slayer, Vince Young. The king slayer. <laughs> the king slayer. Can we go ahead and get the headlines, and <laughs> we'll talk to Jerry about all these conversations we are having. By the way, bullish or BS, Rod? We're just to wrap that up. Mike, Mel Kuyper's mock draft. Is, is J.J. McCarthy really worth the 16th pick in the draft of the Seattle that. Seahawks? Michael Penix ain't even in the first round. Mel J.J. Kuyper's. McCarthy? I don't think Michael Penix is on the, in the first round. I that. thought he was better as a junior than he was as a senior. But I don't know if he's 16. 16 is where he has him to the well, I guess Seahawks. The, they, he's got the quarterbacks going so early here. I got the, I got the mock draft. We'll get into it later. We'll but he's got, he's got them going one, two, three, like Drake May and uh, yeah. Skyler Williams and Jaden Daniels. So I guess at that point, I mean, you're out of, you're, you're at, you're out of quarterback. You're at Bo Nix and J.J. McCarthy, right? That's where you are? Quarterback star of the league, yeah. We, we, so that's why Quinn Ewers is like, ah, just wait. But it's like, man, if he – 
Quinn Ewers had a shot if he had just played really good in that Washington game. Yeah. He, he might have still been able to get first round, maybe not one overall, but first round. Obviously, J.J. McCarthy, 27-2 and two as a starter and won a national championship, but uh, that's a nice, isn't this? Is, is, he, like is he a really good college quarterback, or is he an NFL start, first round draft pick, middle of the first like round? Much, hey, let's get to the other headlines, though, and uh, get you caught up on the news of the morning, then we'll talk to G-Man. Top Gun Reynolds and Lawn Equipment bring you the top stories. And, yeah, it's official now. Obviously, Jim Harbaugh leaving Michigan to become the head coach in L.A. with the Chargers. Now back in Ann Arbor, multiple reports this morning. The Michigan plans to act quickly and will hire current offensive coordinator and offensive line coach Sharon Moore to replace Harbaugh. 37-year-old has been with that program since 2018. Acted as the Wolverines interim coach for four games this season. One all, one all four, obviously. Um, including Penn State and Ohio State. Uh, Texas, uh, of course, the Longhorns will play at Ann Arbor this September, September 7th, against potentially Sharon Moore. Miami Dolphins uh, made a move yesterday, and Vic Fangio, uh, their defense coordinator, they mutually agreed to part ways. And uh, now, according to Adam Schefter this morning, the former Dolphins defense coordinator uh, is traveling to Philadelphia to officially sign the contract to become the Eagles' new defensive coordinator. So headed to Philadelphia, leaving Miami and Green Bay. The Packers have parted ways with their defensive coordinator, Joe Barry, after three seasons in college hoops. Tough night at the mood for the 10th-ranked Texas women. Despite 29 points from Madison Booker, the Longhorns lost to Oklahoma 91-87. And uh, afterwards, Texas head coach Vic Schaefer not happy with his team's effort. We didn't play well. We played terrible. We played with no juice, no energy, and no fight. We happened to, with five minutes to go, decide to try to play a little bit better. That's just too late. I don't care where I'm coaching. I don't care if I'm at Timbuktu. You ain't gonna play for me like that. That is not acceptable. And it damn sure ain't acceptable at Texas. So we'll watch the film, the film won't lie, and we'll address it. And we'll address it first thing in the morning when the sun's coming up. Monday over on the 40 acres. Texas baseball right-hander Dilbaron Johnson Jr. has been named the 2024 Big 12 Preseason Pitcher of the Year. And the incoming outfitter Will Gasparino named the league's preseason freshman of the year, as the conference announced yesterday. In addition to Dilbaron Johnson, outfitter Porter Brown named that preseason All-Big 12 team. Longhorn season begins with the alumni game on February 3rd. They'll open the regular season hosting the University of San Diego on the 16th of February. NBA, all three Texas teams at home last night. All three lost. Oklahoma City rolled the Spurs. Phoenix beat Dallas in Dallas. Devin Booker poured in 46 and Portland beat the Rockets 137-131 in overtime and a done deal in Milwaukee one day after firing Adrian Griffin in his first year. Bucks have hired NBA longtime NBA head coach Doc Rivers to be his replacement. Horn headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. Topgun.net, we'll shoot you straight. All right, RB, let's go straight to the Vaqueros hotline. Let's do it. And talk to our man, Jerry Hamilton. Yes, he is the senior recruiting analyst at On3 Sports, the best in the business, and he joins us. What's going on? Good morning, Jerry. How are you? What's up, Jerry? Hey, good morning. Hey, I have to respond to a couple of things from the uh, Cantina hotline. One, I'm glad I'm not a uh, Texas women's basketball player today. I, I'll say that. <laughs> practice is, practice is going to have brooms. Well, I mean, whatever. It's, everything's coming out today, man. And two, I was at that Rockets game last night. Anthony Simons may be the best player that nobody really talks about. I mean, that guy, the guard for Portland is really, really good. He, he didn't go to – he signed with – he was going to go to play for Rick Pitino coming out in high school. Then all the stuff went down at Louisville. So he never went to college. Uh, and then he ended up in the NBA draft. But uh, he, he is really, really good. And I'll throw one more thing before we get to the things that Texas fans want to talk about. Scoot Henderson has the longest arms – 
of a six four <laughs> six five person I have ever I will ever see in my life. Guys, it's unbelievable. He has like he has the wingspan of a seven footer. Like six, he six. could give me high fives from the eighth row last night. But here's the problem: he can't make he can't make a jump shot. So unless he solves that, he's going to underachieve to what people thought. Awesome. All right, now man, let's get to the real stuff. That's why we love Jerry. Uh, that's good. Hey, man, uh, you wind him up and let him go. That's what Jerry's all about. It's great stuff. Nice uh, yeah, the, uh, the Portland Trailblazers did beat Houston in that overtime game, and Jerry was there. And yeah, it won't be fun over with Vic Schaefer this morning. I can guarantee you that. Hey, Jerry, obviously, you know, you've been doing this a long, long time. Uh, Rod and I, too. It's, and we've never seen like it. I mean, three of the head coaches in the Final Four that we covered were gone, huh. right? I mean, Nick Saban retires. Kalen DeBoer leaves for Alabama, and now Jim Harbaugh is gone. We've never seen a whirlwind like this. I mean, how does this impact Michigan recruiting? I mean, did he wait long enough to kind of use the, the school calendar as a, as a deterrent and keeping Sharon more? What do you expect as far as the exodus for the Wolverines? Yeah, I think the main thing I'm looking at, and I think those are all great points and valid. But I think what happened at Alabama, and Kalen DeBoer's a great coach. He's going to have success at Alabama. He'll have Alabama in the playoff. I'm not saying this year. But I think Michigan sat and watched that and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. We can't go outside the family on this hire. And Sharon Moore did a good job filling in for Harbaugh. We have to stay in the family here so there's not a mass exodus. And I know they're coming up against that drop, uh, you know, when guys could leave. But that doesn't mean they can't just leave in the spring, right? I mean, so I think staying in house here, it's where it looks, sounds like it's where Michigan's headed, is very smart. I think their, their powers that be up there sat back and watched what happened at Alabama and said, whoa, we don't want – anything that's close to a repeat of that whether it's 20 guys jumping to the portal a day after Harbaugh leaves or if it's in the spring they have to hold it together because you just don't have time to replace what you lost uh, you just lose too many guys and too much talent to replace that I mean there's that's the that it's going to be interesting to see if the dates change and how things change moving forward in the future with the portal because uh, I know it's not fair but man that that was a what happened to Alabama is just really rough. Yeah, that is. Hey, Jerry, let me, let's say hypothetical because I'm, I'm with you. The next transfer portal window, if some Michigan players decide that they want to uh, to leave, that will probably be most likely the one that you'll see some guys decide to depart with. But if, this is say hypothetically, if Texas was targeting or looking at some players who may transfer or hit the transfer portal for Michigan, who would those players be? Who would they be? Who are the guys? No, that's D-line. D-line. Guys like a Mason Graham out of Anaheim Servite. Y'all know Sark loves SoCal, right? SoCal, state of Texas, SEC country, and Arizona. Those are the areas for Texas. Kid like Mason Graham, a defensive It's going to be defensive line. I mean, that's what Texas really would look. And getting Savea from Arizona, what that does is that gives Texas the opportunity and the ability to wait until the spring and see who jumps in the portal in the spring. They don't really have to reach right now uh, at that position because that helps shore up some depth there. Uh, but I think defensive line in the spring is going to be something uh, that uh, Texas fans will want to watch. Uh, Jerry, two things here, two-part question. So what are you hearing on the defensive line coach hire, and where does that stand? They got Saveo without having a D-line coach in place, obviously because of the relationship with Johnny Nansen. Uh, where does that stand for you? And what about the young defensive linemen that are already on campus? We know Savea's coming in, but we know Alfred Collins will be back and Vernon Broughton. But uh, what about some of those other guys, Aaron Bryant and uh, Jare Bledsoe and uh, um, you know, Sadir Mitchell? What are, you, what are you hearing about their development uh, in that D-line room? So two-part question there. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the first thing on the D-line uh, hire is it, it was always said that Sark was going to take his time with this and, and get absolutely the right guy. I mean, obviously they talked to some guys, Rod Wright included in that, uh, but they're still, you know, continuing through that process right now. It could be NFL guy. You know, hey, what happens at Michigan with a, with a guy like Mike Elson? You just don't know how things are going to fall there. Um, but uh, I, I think that is it's going to be a patient approach. Um, they already passed the junior day. I mean, you're already coming up on – the end of the evaluation period. So there's no reason to rush a decision now, a hire now. Um, so they, they have some time to play with. As far as the um, the guys that are back, I think it's a crucial, huge spring for Sadir Mitchell and Jure Bledsoe. Those are the two guys for me. I think Aaron Bryant can play the run, right? He, has, he can anchor. He can play the run. Uh, I think Vernon Broughton has some uh, disruptive ability. Um, I think we obviously – Savea brings uh, uh, experienced adult to that room that's played a lot of snaps at high level. Uh, but And then, you know, Zach Swanson, if he could ever get big enough, I know uh, the uh, you know, staff was high on what he could be, but he's got to get – gaining the weight and getting there has been the issue for him, and it's a process. But I look at Sadir and I look at Bledsoe. Those guys need to have huge springs, and they need to start looking like the players – that we all think they can become. Uh, because both of those guys have Sunday ability, but they're far off from that right now in terms of consistency. And until they get that consistency, uh, then there's going to continue to be questions about them. And I know that may be being hard on Sadir because he's just uh, redshirted his freshman year. But the, he, he showed some signs later in the year, but you got to have that consistency. And that's what gets you on the field, and that's what earns that trust. I mean, you look at how long it's taken Alfred Collins uh, to do that, and he's still not where he should be because if he was, he'd be in the NFL, in the NFL draft right now. So they need Jure Bledsoe and Sadir Mitchell to have really big springs and start to show what they can become because those guys, uh, Bledsoe is a, could be a big-time disruptive guy and a pass rusher on the interior. Sadir Mitchell, there's just not many 6'6", 340s with quickness that can play over the ball. Those, he is perfect for the SEC. That's why Georgia fought to the end for him. But he's got to, he's got to, uh, that light's got to come on. Hey, uh, Jerry, uh, the Longhorns had a big recruiting weekend this past weekend and actually did get a, a commit from uh, 2025 uh, commitment. Lance Jackson, the edge rusher, but also he's a guy that can play tight end. Uh, give us your thoughts about where he projects to be for, for the Longhorns and what – uh, style of defense that he may hint that the Longhorns want to play in the future. Yeah, he he, he says he, he's being recruited at the buck position. By the way, I saw him in person um, on Saturday, and you know, he, I, I think he's about six five and a half, about two fifty five, two sixty. Now he's gained a lot of good weight, long levers, right? Which I think is what Texas is really after is that length at that edge position with size. I think that's where they're headed with the move to the SEC. I think that's absolutely what he's going to play, that buck position, that edge position. Uh, that's what he is. He know, And that's the thing, he knows what he is. I mean, he plays tight end, and he looks good on tape doing it. Uh, but I, he knows what he, where his future is, and I think that gives him a chance to be a really good player. And I'll tell you what, I mean, guys, that was a, uh, that was a big win for Texas this early uh, because, you know, obviously his brother signed with LSU is now at Arkansas. But with Arkansas falling off under Sam Pittman, that really opened the door for Texas to get this done quick. And Texas got this done quick before, you know, A&M Mike Elko really could make a true run at him. Uh, but he picked Texas. And, you know, he loves Austin. Uh, he likes where the program's headed. So I, I think he made a very – he didn't make an emotional decision. He made a sound decision. 
Longhorns with five commitments already for the class of 2025. Lance Jackson, the latest uh, out of Texarkana. Also got the linebacker from Pearland, Anthony Williams, Brandon Brown from Palm Beach, Florida, Amari Winston, the tight end from Calhoun, Georgia, and K.J. Lacey, the quarterback from Sarah Land, Alabama, uh, the quarterback for that class uh, coming up. Hey, uh, Jerry Hamilton is with us. Gee, hey, the, um, way, I, have, I have some news on I have some news on that. With Ryan Williams, uh, with Ryan Williams canceling that official visit to Texas this weekend and committing to Alabama, KJ Lacey's not coming in to make the visit this weekend. He didn't come into the January 20th Junior Day because Texas was just going to bring him in with Ryan Williams, his really his teammate and really good friend there at Saraland High. So with Ryan Williams shutting down his recruitment and committing to Alabama last night, right before Alabama beat Auburn in basketball, which was all that was synchronized after he decided he was going to shut down his recruitment. K.J. Lacey's not coming in to Austin this weekend, so he'll be back at a later date. But Sarkeesian is scheduled to be there, I believe, next Tuesday uh, to see K.J. Lacey. A.J. Milwee is scheduled to be in Sarah Land today. All right, so there you go. Yeah, that happened last night. Ryan Williams had committed to Alabama but then jumped in you – know, decommitted when uh, uh, Nick Saban retired, but then uh, Kalen DeBoer was able to bring him back. And he said uh, Alabama's where he always wanted to be, just wanted to hear what uh, Coach DeBoer had to say. And it was good enough, and he's going to stay there and play for the Crimson Tide. But K.J. Lacey is the commitment for the Longhorns in uh, next year's recruiting class. Uh, Jerry, you were on the scene uh, all through the junior day last week, and I saw all your reporting on, on Twitter and on social media uh, following this. What else stood out to you from the, the junior weekend the Longhorns had last weekend that, led, that netted them Lance Jackson and the speedy running back from DeSoto for the class of, uh, or excuse me, from Alito for the class of 2026. Yeah, yeah, uh, Racing Guillory, really good space player, really talented kid, young player. He was hurt at the end of the year, so Texas fans didn't get to see him if they watched the Alito in the state title game. I thought that just the talent in general was probably the best I've seen on a singular visit at Texas. Just the bodies, just when they showed up, the frames, the talent. Uh, 2025 class, 2026 class. Uh, there was over 20 four-star players, four or five-star players at that visit that day in a one-day visit for Texas. That's just in the 25 class. If you add up guys that will be four-stars in the 26 class, and as those rankings adjust, there are some underrated 25s there in my opinion, there's probably 40 to 45 four-star or five-star prospects on campus Saturday out of about 150. That is a hell of a lot of talent. And there were some big, good-looking guys on the offensive line with great frames. Linebackers really good in Texas in 2025. They had Riley Pettish on and Elijah Barnes, the top two there. Um, obviously, Lance Jackson at the edge. Uh, but they had a, a heck of a, ta- a group of talent, guys. I mean, the best I've seen on the hoof on a singular visit at Texas. Hey, Jerry, let me ask you about that 25 class. It, 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 does there seem to be a focus of it in terms of a position group? Because uh, maybe they're past that point in roster construction. Last 2024 class, it seemed like DB that was a emphasis, right, a priority for them. We saw linebacker be that for them a couple of uh, recruiting uh, classes ago. Remember the big O-line class where they brought in the big humans, and that seemed to be the emphasis. Does there seem to be an emphasis in 2025, or have they passed that point where they've constructed the roster and rebuilt everything, and now they're just filling in the, the, the holes? No, that's why y'all are really good, guys. It's linebacker. Like, in okay. t- Texas took one linebacker. And Ty Anthony Smith is a great question. They took one linebacker. They were going to take a, t- a very guy they considered very high in linebacker in 24, whether that was flipping Justin Williams from Georgia, which didn't happen, flipping Ty Anthony Smith from a which did happen after that coaching change. 
They signed five linebackers in 23. They were just going to go for one or zero in 2024. And that was twofold. Yeah, they had a great class of linebackers in 23, but they knew what was coming in the state in 2025 and nationally. Texas at the linebacker position has been hit or miss in the state. And I'm not talking University of Texas. I'm talking state producing a lot of high-end linebackers. It's spread football, right? It's kind of what it's morphed into in the state of Texas. So uh, that linebacker position has been really hit or miss in some cycles in Texas, not 2025. I'm going to write something that on three today about that, how many power five linebackers there are in the 25 class. I mean, you're going to see guys – you're going to see guys that Texas doesn't even offer. That it, it doesn't mean they're not really good players. They are going to Texas A&M, um, going to Oklahoma, going to LSU. That's how the depth of talent at linebacker in the state of Texas is tremendous in this class. I don't think, also think offensive line. Uh, so, I mean, you know, Texas signed three offensive linemen last year. They signed 12 to two years before that. And the reason they didn't really push is because this class in 2025 in Texas on the offensive line I think is extremely, extremely high end. Texas offered a kid, Ryan Foji, out of Bridgeland, who, um, who is still 16, doesn't turn 17 till July. I went to Bridgeland High a couple of weeks ago because his teammate, Jonte Newman's big time, too. They have two of the best tackles in the country over there at Bridgeland High in Cypress. But um, this kid was a 6'4", 230-pound defensive end sophomore year at Bridgeland High on JV. And now he's 6'5", 280. And Rod, got Aaron, I'm telling you, this kid has NFL pass protection, body quickness, and just movement skills. And there's guys like this popping up on the offensive line in Texas. It's a great year on the offensive line in 2025. That's why he's the best. He's Jerry Hamilton with all the info from On3Sports, the uh, uh, senior recruiting analyst and the best in the biz. I'll have to ask you this because uh, if I were a national host, I'd say I would have to. Uh, when is Arch Manning going to transfer, and where is he going? Oh, <laughs> come on. Hey, you know, look, man, he's, he's here after keeping the student ID thing in his pocket. He's here to stay, okay? He's here to stay. Um, <laughs> hey, by the way, by the way, hey, I have to say this, too, because we talked about it last week. We talked about Texas basketball. We, we need to give Rodney some credit. We talked yeah, about it. Yeah, we do. Right? Oh, they were, start, we were, they were starting to figure this thing out a little bit, playing through d playing through Asmus, getting the floor spacing back. The big lineup wasn't going to work. They had to work through some issues there. They were trying to cover smaller guards defensively, but they were giving up floor spacing and offense. So moving Dylan Mitchell back to that college power forward with with athleticism, Dylan DeSue being back, Max Asmus playing that three-guard lineup a high percentage at a time. They have their floor spacing back offensively, and now they have multiple threats that can shoot the ball. Brock Cunningham coming back off the bench where I think his energy is, you know, it's just unmatched as an off-the-bench player. Caden Shedrick mixing in as a backup. Kendall Weaver is going to continue to be better. His energy is unmatched, period, right? So they're big. They figured this thing out now, and now they've set themselves up to be able to compete in this, in this next run of games. I mean, that was a big win in Oklahoma because then you turn around and go to BYU. Then you have a day off and you have U of H on Monday. Uh, they have a tough stretch coming up, and maybe some people say the whole Big 12 is a tough stretch. I get it, but there's some stretches tougher when you're on the road in Provo, turnaround, quick turnaround for a big Monday against Houston, then you're at TCU. Those, that's a four-game stretch counting at Oklahoma that's really difficult, but they're figuring this thing out. They're getting this rotation set. They got the starting lineup set now, and I think they have a chance to make a run. And I'll say this from a basketball recruiting perspective, Monday 
they have a big-time official visitor coming in, a kid from NBA Africa, Ulrich Komchi, a 6'11 kid, who I think is, gonna, is pretty much going to be down to Texas, a USC in Arizona. He is a future first-round pick, um, but he's going to be in for an official visit early next week. Well, Again, that's why he's the best. Uh, Jerry Hamilton, uh, Texas basketball. Kendall Weaver, agree with you. The energy and the, the rotation. The defense has been a lot better for Texas of late, too. Yeah. Held Oklahoma to just 60 points, which is something Roddy Terry's been pushing with that basketball team. Uh, all right, Jerry, great stuff, man. Thanks for the visit this morning. Look forward to more. And find all of Jerry's work at On3 Sports. And uh, he is the senior recruiting analyst. Thank you, Jerry. Thanks, Jerry. You got it, guys. Thanks. That's why he uh, he brings it right there. Right? No, he's All right the about the, the linebacker stuff. is so fascinating. I heard Mel Kuyper talking about this, too, on NFL Live. They were asking him if there were going to be any off-ball linebackers drafted in the first round. He's like, probably not. Probably Didn't not. have any of them in his draft. And it's so weird. We were literally just discussing this earlier this week when I, when I remarked that if you look at the final four teams, linebacker, even though it's not a premium position, it is of a high value to these teams that are deep in the playoffs Ravens, now. Niners, Ravens, Chiefs. They, they've invested in it, right? They've actually gone out traded for these linebackers. You saw the Lions draft one really early. Not a premium position, but these teams are prioritizing it. They're putting a premium on it. And I, I, you know, there's such a trickle-up and trickle-down factor in football, especially with football theory. I just wonder now if – because the Longhorns can't – they have had trouble hitting on them. They've been bringing in a lot of linebackers with a low hit rate because I think it's tougher to evaluate that position in a spread era because you don't they don't come out naturally organically like they used to you almost have to be able to evaluate scout and project great athletes who are going to be a linebacker in the future Jalen Ford is actually well, Jalen Ford's a three-star though yeah right? lowest, a low, rate, lowest rated player in that class exactly right that those are your, your linebackers these days they're the projects or they're lower rated players because how they're going to be highly rated in a spread era of football yeah, they don't. Like, they don't get the thump. They're, yeah, they're they don't, chasing they don't, all the time. Yeah, right. You don't get to evaluate them properly. And, and the best athletes end up just playing the edge, right? They just put them and let them chase the quarterback. Exactly. So uh, that has been a problem in the state, no doubt about it. We saw Charlie Strong and Tom Herman bring in guys like Char- Joseph Osai and, and try to make a middle linebacker. Around. Yeah, keep And by the around. end, it said, "Hey, get back to play." Then Overshone, they bring good. him in. He's a project. I, mean, yeah. I think that's really where you are with linebacker today. Period. Overall, I just think it's tougher in a spread era to evaluate and identify them early. You got to be a great in terms of scouting and evaluating tools and traits that you can develop into a good linebacker later. I will. Uh, They're not coming out anymore. Go all the way back to Will Muschamp when he went up to the state of Ohio to get Jordan Hicks, right? Cause yeah. Because he's working one of those the linebackers. linebackers yeah. like, he's still playing in the NFL. Yeah, because well, you just don't see them down. You don't see them get to play downhill football anymore in Texas. Yeah. They all play like seven on seven. They can all cover, but can they hit? No. Can they play the run? Yeah, fill gaps and yeah. uh, take good angles. Take on blocks. Take, yeah, you know absolutely. What I mean? Shed. All right, good stuff from Jerry and Rod, and we'll pick it up on the other side with the uh, at-the-turn conversation. They tee off today out in San Diego. Uh, also, Rod will take us behind the burn orange curtain, and uh, we'll talk more about uh, this Jim Harbaugh move, what it means, and Texas for sure. Hook them up with Ian Rodby. Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. Hey, it's only Thursday, but uh, already 18 holes in the books at the Farmers Insurance Open. It's a Wednesday to Saturday event. It'll wrap up on Saturday night, and uh, right now, Patrick Cantlay and Kevin Yu are your leaders. Kevin Yu. You, Patrick Cantlay, who's a West Coast guy, played well yesterday uh, on the South Course. Excuse me, U was playing the easier North Course. Uh, Wednesday, he'll head to that South Course at Torrey Pines. 
So we'll keep an eye on that. Kevin Yu at eight under par. Uh, and then Patrick Cantlay at seven under after one round. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that through the weekend. At the turn, of course, is uh, halfway through our five-hour conversation. So we play a little golf or conversation and uh, other issues that are out there, including it looks like the, uh, the Washington Wizards have fired their basketball coach, Rod. That's breaking this morning. Man, going to the front office. Seen. Going to the front office. Uh, so Wes Unsell uh, Jr. Oh, he's being, like, promoted? Promoted. Uh, to the to the top, yes. Okay. Yeah. I get upstairs, getting kicked upstairs, as they say. Good uh, thing it's better than being fired. <laughs> kicked upstairs, fired, right? man. Keep the gig. Get a cushier gig. So yes, uh, at the turn, halfway through this Thursday edition, and uh, be careful out there with the flooded streets and whatnot. Especially if you're headed east. I know Giddings and Lagrange dealing with serious flooding there because of uh, the runoff and those you know south to north tr- storms just keep. And as as they go north, Rod, they just keep dumping dumping rain. So the come the rivers are you know oh, man. cresting and overflowing yeah. right now. And the ground is just saturated. Oh my it's gosh! Yeah, yeah, those 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 training <laughs> south to north storms are the are the big flood producers because of because I mean, as they move forward moves north, they're just dropping more water and then it hey. flows back downstream. And uh, they're dealing with that obviously. Gettings. We need it though. It'll be a nice spring when everything settles in. If, if you get the, if you're getting this much rain, yeah, it, it, and say, be good. Yeah, be good and, for you. But as I say, get over to Callahan's because they'll help you for trying to figure this out. Oh yeah, it's been, your grass gonna be growing like or weeds too, <laughs> growing like crazy. We'll be put down the pre-emergence, but between the ice and then oh yeah, now the rain <laughs> and uh, I think eventually the sun's gonna come out. I really do. I don't Please. know when that's going to be. Please but, do uh, this weekend. We need it. It's been it's been like Seattle-ish. Yeah, it feels gloomy. like I'm with you. It's been gloomy. It's either cold and gloomy or it's wet and gloomy. Yeah, we're just ready for one of those bright sunny days, Please. which we get so many so often here. That's why we pay, um, the, that's why we pay the high property taxes. Beautiful days. <laughs> we're, we're looking for more of those, I'm Damn telling right. you right now. Uh, all right, so there's some at the turn. Uh, we'll be following the Farmer's Insurance Open out at, at uh, San Diego, California which uh, is a good thing. Uh, all right, Rod, let's go behind the burn orange curtain. That'll wrap up at the turn halfway through this Thursday edition. At the Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, uh, let's talk about the uh, Longhorns. First, I want to get into something that I saw uh, on the Mel Kuyper mock draft. I talked about Mel Kuyper putting out his latest mock draft. The only Longhorn that Mel Kuyper has got in his mock draft going in the first round, A.D. Mitchell. Ooh. He's got A.D. Mitchell going here. Let me make sure I put it up here. Uh, yeah, he's got A.D. Mitchell going to the Bills at 28. Ooh, Josh Allen, because there's talk that Stephon Diggs is going to be a cap casualty there in Buffalo. Yeah. So, I hope he likes to play in the cold. But he got him going in the first round. That'd be that'd be big for for Sark because Isaiah Bond, the transfer from Alabama, who came over in his statement when he was asked why he came over to Texas, he literally said it's a business decision. Um, I think of myself as a, I'm paraphrasing. I think of myself as a stock, and essentially this is this is good for my my draft stock. I wanted to I wanted my draft stock to go up. And that's why I came to Texas. If A.D. Mitchell gets drafted in the first round, then you start developing that pipeline. Texas gets uh, somewhat of a reputation in a Sark offense. If you're a high-caliber, elite uh, receiver in the transfer portal, Texas is the location because Texas has really high-caliber quarterbacks. Arch will be the next behind Quinn. And they have a very receiver-friendly offense where you can put up good numbers. 
and NFL coaches and scouts like it. So that's the reputation you want, and A.D. Mitchell can help you kind of start that pipeline and that reputation. If he's drafting, but he's only drafting the first two rounds regardless, and so will X-Men. Here's another thing, E. Um, Mel Kuyper was asked by Dan Orlovsky on NFL Live, what receivers are the most underrated receivers either late in the first round or, or in the second round? And he said both Texas receivers. That was Mel Kuyper's answer. He said, I like both the Texas guys as underrated guys. Now, he's got, they got five receivers going in the top 15 picks. They got seven of them going total in the first round. So it's gonna, and he said he said as many as seven or eight could go in the second round. So they're talking about 15 receivers going in the first two rounds anyway. It is a deepest wide receiver draft, but what I tell y'all, wide receivers are the deepest position in football at every level. And every year you'll hear them in the NFL draft say, this might be the deepest position in the draft. They'll say it every year because it is probably the deepest position in the draft every year. But this year, it's really deep. And who are – how many of, of Mel – I have not seen because it's a – I have not seen – I hadn't been able to get through the paywall on the Mel Kuyper. Yeah, draft. yeah. How, uh, how many quarterbacks slash receivers go in the first 20 picks, according to Mel? All right, I can tell you right all, now. All he's, got, he's got Caleb Williams, number one. He's got Jaden Daniels, two. He's got uh, Drake May, three. Those are his first, first three picks and his first three quarterbacks. Uh, and like I said he's got five receivers taken in the top 15 – so five receivers, and, and he's got J.J. Being, McCarthy taking 16. So, so McCarthy's the fourth quarterback off the so board So he's got 16. nine total, I believe. In the top 16. Wide receivers in. The wide receivers and I'm in assuming QBs. Marvin Harrison Jr. is the first receiver off the board. Yes, Marvin Harrison Jr. is the first receiver off the board. And if I'm not mistaken here, oh, no, Malik Neighbors is the second in Romo Dunze. But he's got all those guys going in the top 10. Yeah. <laughs> he's, got, he's got three receivers and three quarterbacks going in the top ten, and I believe after today he's got a uh, two. He's got a ta- two tackles. Uh, Brock Bowers. He's got in the top ten too. He got Brock Bowers in there as well. Yeah, I, I so, think he had Brock Bowers five right to the. Chargers. He does. He has Brock Bowers to the Chargers. That that oh hardball. That's hardball pick all the way. That's, That's a, a hardball, hardball pick if I ever seen one. That, that is, is a hardball pick all the way. Uh, but yeah, so it's a, well, you know, also like that is Justin Herbert and be like, oh man, there's my uh, there's my new best friend. That's true, Brock Bowers. Yeah, uh, you know who could be a you know, Travis Kelsey type tight end potentially, and maybe even more athletic than Travis Kelsey in the NFL. Um, but you know, a, a tight end going that high is rare. But at the same time, he's a rare player. He's a rare player. Um, but just so if you're curious, Cowboys. I know we're behind the burners curtain here. We'll get back to it. Uh, the Cowboys taking a tackle, Jordan Morgan at 24. Mel Kiper does, and he's got the Texans. Sorry, let me text you. Oh yeah, he got Texans taking a defensive tackle, Jerzon Newton. So I, not, I not a Texas they, D tackle. They need some some guys up front. Because uh, I imagine Tech. Let me see how many D tackles they got going here. Because I imagine Texas should be Byron Murphy and Tamari Sweat should be among the top four D tackles. Mel doesn't have Byron Murphy in the first round. He does not. That's surprising because Dane Brugler and Matt uh, Matt Miller, the ESPN draft scout, both have Byron Murphy off the board and before twenty. Yeah, he does not. That's not, interesting. Not from what I'm looking at here. That's interesting because again, they're at odds with what Dane Brugler and some of the other draft analysts have said that yeah. Byron Murphy will be the first Longhorn drafted, and he'll be drafted in the first 20 picks. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. And as long, it's only January. Yeah, yeah, long way. Combine, Senior Bowls, all to come. But uh, that is interesting and a good conversation starters. Cowboys taking a tackle is interesting in that. Well, it got Tyron Smith. Yeah, that's what it is. And Tyron Smith's going to be a cap casualty, yeah, and he's free agent. He's, they just, probably, he's too old at this point. Yeah, and they'll probably move Tyler Smith. Yep. Back out to tackle. That makes sense. And, you know, if you're taking a t- – is there going to be a tackle that projects to, you know, plays guard early? 
Um, so Which they be like. They like those guys that can cross train. They do. They do. Manufactures depth. What Tyler Smith? Because we is. know, uh, you know, of the Cowboys' key free agents. You know, you got the, the center Biotish. You've got the, ta- the tackle Tyron Smith and Tony Pollard on the offensive side that are premium free agents for them. That you yeah. got to figure out what you're doing. You're probably not resigning Pollard and, and Tyron Smith at his age. No. Biotish would probably become a priority to keep your center in place. Yeah. Just because, and yeah, I know it's not sexy, but you do need to start revamping the O line for sure. Overhauling. It's about that time. And I know you. It seems like you're investing it all the time. Well, you know what's interesting about that? I was looking at the Cowboys' uh, salary cap situation. We know Dak is 59 million. You know their second highest cap uh, number this this offseason is Zach Martin because they just gave him the new deal. Yeah, he got that money. Hey, he skipped the line. Smart, it was a smart move. Very smart. Very smart we move. We said back man. in July when he was holding out. There's a reason for this. He knows all these free agents are coming. He knows where their cap is, or at least their agent does. And yes, says, he hey, does. hold out now. Get your money now or it may not come. It, it won't be there. Yeah. Because they gotta pay, cause he's going to pay Micah. He, Jerry's already told you Micah's getting his money. And, and CD. CD. And CD's first-team all-pro, so he's going to get his money too. And you, you probably have to restructure Dak, but, you know. That's, you got to restructure that, 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 that. You got to throw Deron Bland a little change. I know you ain't got to do it right now, but, hey, man, he just had an all-pro year. You want to throw him some change sooner or later. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, uh, getting back to Texas and behind the burners curve. But, yeah, that was good for Mel Kuyper when he was asked, hey, most underrated receivers, where's my, you know, where's my diamond in the rough? Where's my kind of hidden gem? He said Texas receivers. And he wasn't talking about specifically A.D. Mitchell because he's going to be drafted in the first round. But I think he was talking about X-Man. So that's really uh, good for uh, X-Man and A.D. All right, uh, the Texas defensive line coach position, we still don't know um, exactly who Sark is zeroing in on that for that coaching vacancy. Uh, Chip Brown did report yesterday that uh, Rod Wright is one of the candidates potentially to be promoted to defensive line coach. He's assistant D-line coach right now for the Texans, uh, but he could be promoted to D-line coach because they are not going to extend or pick up. Uh, they're not going to extend, uh, pick up the contract of their defensive line coach. They're going to let it expire and they're going to let him walk. So they're interviewing candidates right now. And one of those uh, candidates is Rod Wright. And he may get that job. If he gets that job, I think he'd probably prefer being the Texans D-line coach oh, yeah. over the Texas D-line coach. I think so, too. Uh, and that's a rising program, obviously, there. Or, or a stat with D'Amico Ryans and where they're headed. Hit your wagon to that dude. It's smart. And as I, I've been told, he's, he's, not the, he's not the biggest fan of recruiting. And you've talked about that a lot, that Rod. I mean, and it's not even a, a, a knock. I mean, it's just, that's a full-time yeah, man. commitment. Agreed. In addition to coaching your position, you've got to be on the road you got to love it. you got to love that. There you are some coaches it. that do love recruiting. You, I mean, yeah. It's like they're, I mean, you've you got Tim Brewster. He loves it. <laughs> it's his deal, man. He wants to be out there, man. He wants to be out there and meeting people. That's, but that's his strength, though, right? He's a great communicator. He's bigger than larger-than-life personality. Some, some coaches, you know, they got to – think about it. Some coaches are introverts to a certain extent. So they don't like being out there meeting new people every day. They don't like to walk into a living room of a stranger and then have to be, you know, the, the, the big topic of conversation. You got to be one to bring the energy and the vibe. That's tough on some coaches because they're just not naturally extroverts. They're not naturally, you know, that type of personality. If you are, that job is easy. You just get it. You just turn it on, turn it off. But for some coaches, that's a lot of stress. Because they don't nat- they're not naturally that those types of personalities. They're not naturally those uh, coaches who have that charisma. They have to like they have to work to do that. So some coaches they figure, man, I just go to the NFL. I ain't got to worry about having charisma. I just worry about doing my damn job. Yeah, it's coach players. <laughs> it's coach players. Yeah, coach I ain't got, my man got to like me. Yeah. So we'll <laughs> see. And uh, Sark is still looking for that D line coach. And I thought Jerry Hamilton made a good point that there's no since you've been through the junior day now, and your recruiting class and most of your portal are kind of you know haze in the barn. You don't have to rush it. You can wait and make sure you get the right D-line coach because I don't think there's any doubt Bo Davis was a critical piece 
to this coaching staff, both oh, recruiting yeah. and development. Oh, yeah. And you want to make sure you get you keep that going because now you're going to the SEC. You don't want to slip at that, that position as far as the development of the players. Not, not in that league. Not in that league. Not in lines of scrimmage. You want to make sure your lines of scrimmage are on point going in that league. Yep, 100%. Uh, all right, that's good stuff behind the BOC. A little draft talk. Of course, that'll heat up into next week, right? We'll have Championship Sunday this week, Rob, but then the following weekend is uh, the Senior Bowl. And so Senior Bowl practices will be next week. That'll lead to a lot of draft conversation. All the coaches and general managers all get together in Mobile. And Longhorns have how many guys? Four? They had five invited. But, uh, but oh, Albert, Collins, Albert Collins and Jade Barron are going. So they got three. They got Jay Witt is in there, uh, Murphy. And, Murphy, and Sweat. Sweat. And I think Jay Witt. Is that just those three? Those three, okay. yeah. yeah. All right. To the Senior Bowl. So we'll follow that into Mobile uh, coming up next weekend. And obviously that then leads into February, which then it's the combine time at the end of the month or early March. So, yeah, a lot of conversation coming on the draft. And the Longhorns, as we talked about, could have as many as seven or eight players drafted in the first 100 picks of this draft. They, they could. Um, between Jalen – just on Jalen Forge, Andre Sweat, Byron Murphy on defense. I, Ryan Watts, I know he's declaring, but I'm not, I'm not sure where Ryan Watts stands. Well, I think Murphy, Sweat um, – Murphy, Sweat, and Ford on Jalen Ford. And then offense, x The two receivers and the JT, tight end and right Jonathan there. Brooks. And Jay Brooks. Yeah, Jay Brooks is still considered one of the top running back on the board. I don't – in Mel Kuyper's mock draft, he doesn't have a running back taken in the first round, and it's very likely there won't be a running back taken in the first round. But Mel Kuyper, before his injury, had Jonathan Brooks rated as the number one running back, which – I think he still is, yes. but they don't have a running back taken in the first well, round. that's why – he's top running back I'm pretty sure it was Dane Brugler who had it mocked as uh, Jonathan Brooks to the Cowboys at 56. Makes perfect sense. Yeah, they get the – whatever yeah. they want in the first round, but then still get a first-round talent at running back. Yep who will be coming off the injury because, uh, you know, that'll be the big question for Jay Brooks when he goes to the combine and does workouts will be the medicals. How, how is that knee healing? Uh, what's the prognosis? Is he going to be ready by, you know, summertime or camp at least, right, to be a training camp ready? And if he is, Jonathan Brooks, you know, that'd be a great-looking cowboy, wouldn't it? Yeah, well, that second round this year actually might be underrated considering all the receivers that are going to be. It's a deep receiver draft. It's a deep tackle draft. Uh, you'll have Penix the way that Mel Kuyper's done. Penix might be in the second round That's there right. for you too. That's right. Uh, yeah, no, Jonathan Brooks, good player. No, second round this year could be a really, really good uh, draft, uh, draft round in terms of the value of it. Well, as we talked about with the draft losing some of its luster at the back end, five, six, seven, eight, or five, six, and seven, Ooh, yeah. because so many players like Alfred Collins and uh, Jade Barron are coming back to play, and so many, you know, the, the NIL has changed the landscape. Guys can come back, still play, develop, and make some money while they're here. Those premium picks, second, third, fourth round, are huge. Teams are going to be trading up. Teams are going to be trying to stockpile those. Teams are going to be trading up in second round. 100%. Yeah. Uh, all right, we'll come back. When we do, it's uh, off the record, Rod. We've got some off the record stories, stories maybe you've missed, but you need to hear on this Thursday morning into our 9 o'clock hour. Let's hook them up with Ian Robbie. DD Mega Doo I'm sorry, Mangudu. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Delhi Cat Essen. Well, well I don't get a break, they ain't cold. Well, congratulations, continue good sex in, the, good sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! And thing sucks! Off the record time, some stories you've missed, but you probably need to know. You know, you don't want to read page six, the gossip rags. We do, though. That's what we have time for, in addition to Rod's deep dive analysis of the championship weekend. That led me to this, Rod. Which famous female is credited with saying the following recently? My giant boobs and my body opened the door for me. They were my passport to the world. 
Uh, was that Dolly Parton, Sofia Vergara, Salma Hayek, Scarlett Johansson, or Pamela Anderson? I'll do it again. My giant boobs were my passport to the world. That'd be Dolly Parton. No, no, that's incorrect. Ty, do you have a guess? I gave you multiple choice. Dolly Parton, Sofia Vergara, Salma Hayek, Scarlett Johansson, Pamela Anderson. Salma Hayek. That is incorrect as well. It was uh, Sofia Vergara who told mm. Page Six recently that uh, said that quote, but she added, there are women who are prettier, younger, and have bigger breasts and better body than me, but I'm still around because I have demonstrated that I can stay. <laughs> if you can only see my boobs, then that's your problem. <laughs> I guess she's proud of her boobs. And, you know, That's yeah. my new favorite. My giant boobs were my passport to the world. I don't even know she's known for, like, giant boobs or anything like that. Oh, they're nice. Oh, they're nice, but I don't know if that's what she's known for. I think she's, she's known, known for just more for a... her booty is more what I know. Yeah, for. exactly. Like, she's actually known for other dimensions, not her boobs. So it's hard to say. But that. she like, was weird. on what? She, she's what, very what voluptuous. TV shows she children. On? Married with family, family, modern, family. Family. modern family. Modern family. Yeah. 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 I was out Bundy. Sorry. Yeah, that's I don't know, but you know what? She's got a lot of great assets. There you go. So she's the boobs. The, I think the, she's back single again, right? The she got, the, she got divorced from the. Uh, the yeah, she was, she was with a younger dude. She was like a cool Joe, whatever, right? Yeah, she had like a she had like he was like ten, I don't know, like ten years younger from, than her or something like that. Yeah, I think so. He's from True Blood and some other stuff. But anyway, uh, okay, have you guys seen <laughs> the deep fake AI uh, pictures of Taylor Swift? The, por- the pornographic explicit no. photos that. Are, Oh, somebody created an, a fake, they're fake, fake AI photos of her, and they're extremely explicit, borderline pornographic. Oh, yeah. Crazy. They came across my, did you see them, Ty? I'm, I mean, the, this, that's been a thing for, for, a, for a long time, I feel like, with multiple, not just her. Oh, I know, but it's her, though. It's the biggest pop story in the yeah, world. It's different. Yeah. Like, I love you. You're like, oh, it happens. I'm like, yeah, it happens every time, but then it happens to the biggest pop story in the world, and she's in Kansas City gear. Like, she's, like, in Kansas City, like, makeup and like she's painted red and all kind of stuff oh it's yeah it's she's not happy about it apparently I'm the reports sure. are she's very <laughs> upset about this it, she does not like it at all but you know it goes it goes to what ty said there are some people that don't like her around so now they're you know obviously putting her in these uh very very compromised or they like her a little AI too much maybe photos. oh yeah maybe it's a fetish i, I, don't, I don't think I don't it's know. a dislike thing <laughs> hey now i haven't seen i gotta check this out She's trying. Uh, apparently, her, her her people are trying to get them removed. So, but still, yeah, like, they, yeah they came across my timeline last, and I was like, "What the hell?" But now it's it's on TMZ. It's trending now. It's a done deal. Oh, did y'all see Luca? Got somebody kicked out the game too? Yeah, I'm gonna play you this coming up. Yeah, Luca Luca Doncic had a fan ejected last night. Did it wasn't he? He didn't say anything derogatory though. He didn't I say. I think he made a cardio comment. He, he, he <laughs> I don't even think he cussed. Well, what Luca said in the post game was he was cussing me the whole first half. I would never reject a fan. They uh, pay for okay. tickets, but I had had enough. The fan, the fan says he denied. The fan says he made one comment about his weight. And then Luca I think it was a cardio comment. It. Yeah, he said something about his weight, and then Luca kind of you know went after him. We'll, of we'll that. play the sound of Luca. They lost, by the way, to Phoenix last night. Yeah, but if he was cussing him out the whole game, then that's that's terrible. Devin Booker scored forty six. Sofia Vergara, by the way, reveals uh, after her split from Joe Manganiello that she will no longer date younger men. She's 51. So, yeah, you know, like in the 30s nobody two years or more or more younger than her, she's not dating. See man. you later. Jeez. Time to go get that bag. An older man. <laughs> so, Sophia. And I'm 51, too, so we're the same age. I don't know. She uh, looks, looks good at 51. Also. By the way, Mangelello, he was in that Magic Mike in the number two. He's a, he's a heartthrob guy. Yeah, he's one of them. He's one of, Mag- yeah. he's one of McConaughey's guys. Never yeah, saw Magic Mike. Yeah, he's a Mimbo. He's like a Mimbo. <laughs> Mimbo, I love it. Yeah. Uh, Magic Mike, Magic Mike XXL, 
Yeah, seems like it. I like that Mimbo. I've never heard that. No, it's a Seinfeldian term. I'm down with it. Mimbo, male Mimbo. And she, she, she probably wasn't dating yeah. him for his intellect. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, now she's like, why was I with that dude? I mean, with somebody that can intellectually stimulate me as well as, as, well as physically. She's at that point in her life. I feel him. My passport to the world, Rod. The boobs? I, I, like I said, I think she's got some other dimensions that are more impressive than the she's boobs. She's got curves. There's no doubt about that. She's got them in all the right places. Uh, what you going to do? We'll come back. We'll pick up the 9 o'clock hour. Mm. Let's hear from Luca. Rod's got a rant. I've got some rantings as well. We get to all of it. It took about with Ian Rod V.